honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. What would you say to those people that maybe have a lot of passions, have a lot of things that they do want to be focused on, but they're having trouble? Hey, what's that one thing that I should be focused on? There are a couple of strategies that I use, and these are these are described in the book, but um, explain them quickly. One of them is is urgency. You know, when there are things that truly are time sensitive and need to get done, make that your highlight. You know, mm-hmm. like lean into that and just say, yeah, this needs to happen. I'm going to make it happen. So you were listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I had John Zaratsky on today, author of Make Time, just incredible, incredible dude, and really like pushed his book pushed me to like take control of my schedule. I blocked out my entire life from like meditation time to video game time to answering emails and things like that. So super, super rad dude. And I'm excited to dive into this conversation with him. I hope you enjoy the talk. Yeah, it's no big deal. What are you doing now, like work-wise? Uh, I'm trying to build a business around my writing and speaking and teaching workshops. Yeah. Um, sort of... Uh, you know, the, the theme or the mission is really helping people make time for the things that are important to them. Uh, but that can be at work, that can be in their personal lives. Um, it looks a little bit different for everybody, but yeah. I think the core philosophies and approaches are really the same. And the specific tactics, you know, depending on where you are, it might, it might be something like the design sprint. It might be uh, just something like making some tweaks to your, your schedule or the way that you use your devices. So... Dig that, That's man. You're the exact same as the audiobook. I was literally just listening to it. <laughs> the exact same. You did a really good job. Oh, nice. Yeah. Personality comes through. It was, was super fun because, I mean, A, like we wrote it. So it's like, it's not like we had a ghostwriter who like made it sound all like, <laughs> you know, formal and weird. And Jake and I are really good friends. Yeah. So like we're and used to tell. talking. Yeah. It was good. So it took, um, it actually went super fast and only took two days to really? record. And uh, we just kept, we just kept slamming tea. <laughs> just like... <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we record for an hour and be like, "How you doing? You okay? Ready to keep going? Okay, let's keep going." And we just keep. Did pushing you do it like together, like same? Yeah, room. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were That's in dope. a room much smaller than this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were a lot of awkward jokes about like <laughs> bad breath and and <laughs> rumbling stomachs. Um, but we were like, yeah, we both had uh, music stands yeah. that we had like iPads on. We were reading off of, and tons of like acoustic. I mean, it was like a proper recording studio where we couldn't hear the engineer outside unless he, really? unless he punched through on the uh, the intercom system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, totally dead room. You know, like I don't, I, I don't know if you guys have done any work in. Yeah, like, I used to be a musician. Oh so, yeah, cool. Yeah. So it's just like it's it's completely unnatural because there's no place on earth that sounds mm-hmm. that way. Um, so it does take a little bit of getting used to, but, yeah. but yeah, sitting, sitting essentially like this face to face with somebody Two that days you is fast, worked though. with so much is like, it's fun and yeah. it's, it's pretty natural. I appreciate you coming on, man. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. I will. Um, I know like I didn't give you like a real good super like rundown. I'm just trying something new. Like I feel like if I just like, yo, like you want to hop on a podcast? I don't want like fabricated version. Yeah. Like, I don't totally. want prepared. So I just want totally. to test something out, but. Cool. Dude, like you've been, you've been crushing it, man. I was looking at the like 
activity on Twitter. Like people are talking. Yeah. LinkedIn, same thing. You've been around too. I don't know how long you've been back, but just like a doing month. a good job. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's. Um, I feel like there's there's some excitement and. Yeah. You know, I, I hesitate to use the word movement because that's a big word, but it feels like there's like this little something. There's people who are tired of feeling like they're not in control of their yeah. own time. Um, and they're also in a place where they're in their life where they do have a little bit of flexibility. You know, yeah. I, I, I always want to avoid saying, oh, it's easy. Just don't go to any meetings and, you know, <laughs> do all these things that are not realistic. And, yeah. and I know that some people, they, they really don't have a lot of levers they can pull in terms of their time, but but a lot of people do, and a lot of people are sort of, yeah. they have this recognition that they're, they're giving away their time. Um, and, and yeah, people are, people are interested in rethinking those defaults. The name and, you chose was genius. Oh, thanks. Very, very smart. Was that like tested, or you just? It wasn't tested. That was, we ignored our own, <laughs> our own advice on that it one awesome. and just went straight from the gut. It was, the book was going to be called Today. Really? Yeah, and it was going to be structured around um, a day, a single day. Like very much in the way that Sprint is structured yeah. around a week, where it says, here's what you do on this day and this day. It's going to be about a single day. It's going to be about ideas for the morning, for the midday, when you're working, for the evening, when you're winding down, sleep, et cetera. Really? Um, yeah, and then somewhere along the line, I think it actually came out in like a, in the run-up to the book, like we're writing the book, but there's a, like a lot of, books are interesting because you kind of do the, at least the way that I've done it, and I don't know if this is universal, we kind of do the marketing as we're writing the book because the lead times are so long. Like the yeah. publisher will be like, hey, we need like a blurb about the book to send to our sales team because they're having their sales conference and we want to let them know what's coming up for the next year. And so before the book is even done, you have to start thinking about how you're going to market it. And at some point in that process, we, we like wrote a blurb that included the words like, help you make time. And Jake, my co-author, was like, make time. Interesting. And we also liked, it was sort of a subtle reference to, I don't know if you've ever read the essay by Paul Graham. Mm. Paul Graham started Y Combinator, which is yeah. a, uh, like a tech startup incubator. And uh, he's like, he's got like a pretty, for just, for what he is, he has like a, a really big following for his writing. He's not like a writer. Yeah. Uh, that's not his focus, but he, a lot of people read him. And he wrote this essay probably 10, 12 years ago that has been shared very, very widely in the tech world, which is maker schedule and manager schedule. And so it's all about um, when you're making things, you need a different kind of schedule, a different kind of time. You need big blocks of uninterrupted time. But when you're a manager, you need to be able to like bounce between things and, and be very avail available. And so it's about kind of... What's it called? Maker schedule. I think it's maker schedule versus manager schedule. Yeah, I've never heard of it. And I know so why we, Combinator, but... And so we liked, you know he talks about maker time and yeah. so we're like, okay, so make time is sort of like a reference to that, but it's also a, an action that you want to do for yourself. Yeah. You want to make time, which is what got me. I'm like, wow, I really like, it was, it was a title. Like, I like that. I'm going to pick it up. And then, uh, Rebecca, who we just had on the podcast, like you really need to read this. Mm. Um, so, oh, and awesome. Jackie said the same thing, yeah. which is how I originally met you. Do yeah, you mind totally. if we use that? This is totally like... <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought we had started. No, 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 no. Totally out the cup. Normally it's like, okay, intro, blah, 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 blah. Awesome. But I like yeah. that. Um, and that's just, that's interesting with like the, like book process and all the things that you have to think about leading up to that. I've never done it. So I don't know. That's cool. It remains like not a very sophisticated process mm -hmm. in many ways. There are, I think there are people who are, who are much better at it, who are like, 
really doing a ton of testing and a ton of yeah. like prototyping of things. And we've definitely done some of that. Um, but yeah, it's, there's very much, I mean, speaking of defaults, there's very much like a default way that a book gets made, yeah. um, which comes from sort of a place of like experts making decisions about things that doesn't always translate into a really successful finished product because there's always that unknown of yeah. when people see your thing for the first time, what do they think about it? Does yeah. it work? That's so interesting. I was reading um, Brendan Kane's book. Uh, I'm blanking on the title, but basically how I grew I'm following a million people in like 30 days, hmm. something like that, which is just absolutely incredible. His thing is like testing, testing, testing. Yeah, totally. So I think he ran like different book titles, different yeah. book like covers like on his like Facebook and Instagram, which is just so, so cool to me. Yeah. Um, One of the challenges, like very, just very logistical challenge with that is you need to spend money to do that yeah. stuff uh, for the most part. If and he wanna, spent he spent a lot. Yeah, if you want to reach outside of your existing audience, which is, you know, nobody writes a book because they only want to reach their existing audience, right? They do it because they want to reach a lot of people and help a lot of people. Um, and so if you want to reach outside your existing audience, you have to spend money on ads, essentially, or on, you know, graphic design for multiple different covers or whatever. And in the again, in the default model for publishing a book, the publisher is fronting all the money. They're mm. they're putting up to to design the book, to pulp, to print the book, to distribute it, et cetera. And so you, unless you want to start paying out of your pocket, you basically, as an author, you have to try to convince your publisher yeah. it's worth spending all this money on stuff that we might end up not doing, you know, like stuff that you may perceive as, as wasted work. Of course, it's not wasted yeah. if it helps you make a better more, decision. Yeah. How'd you go about finding that publisher or was it who you worked with before? It wasn't. It was a different publisher, um, than who we worked with on Sprint. And it was actually somebody, it was kind of like our, our it was a, another publisher that we, al we like almost worked with for Sprint, who we really liked. Mm. And so then the next book came around and um, we, our first, our, our primary publisher was not like super excited about us going in this direction. So we thought, okay, like we want to work with somebody who's, who's really aligned with what we're doing. So we started talking to the other publisher and, yeah. uh, and they, were, they were super excited about it. Oh, it's fascinating, man. Before we, before we like take a different direction, because I do want to dive into everything, make time, and I really want to dive into you as well. All right. um, before we dive into that, like how has just being an author impacted your life? I know there's a lot of people that listen to us that just want to write books. They just want to write. When I was growing up, I'm like, hey, dude, I just I want to be in New York City overlooking the city, writing books. That's all I want to do. <laughs> and I was always told, like, that's not a viable career path. Mm -hmm. So what, how has that impacted your life thus far? Uh, and if it hasn't, it hasn't. I mean, you know, it but, <laughs> I'm assuming it has. It definitely has. Um, a bunch of things are, like, swirling in yeah. my brain right now. Um, one thing, I'll just start with this sort of like embarrassing weird thing, which is that like <laughs> people assign this, this special value to books. And so people will come talk to me at events or whatever. And it's almost like this mini sort of weird celebrity status because people read a book. If I was like a person who just had like a really big blog or like a really successful online course, I don't think there yeah. would be that same weird dynamic. And I say weird it, because it's, it's a little awkward for me because I don't really think of myself as, like I don't think of myself as a celebrity, 
so it's only weird because it's it's a touch awkward. Um, in reality, it's <laughs> awesome because people are like strangers yeah. want to like talk to me about my work and how it's affected them, which is you know really as much as I could ask for in doing all of this stuff. Um, so that's one thing. But I think because like historically there have been so many gatekeepers to write a book, and there still are in certain certain paths. Um, if you self-publish, it's different. But in the traditional path, there are still a lot of gatekeepers. So I think it's a uh, people sign or assume more credibility yeah. or more status. So that's been one thing, but it's, that's not like a huge thing. Um, I think that uh, it's really like challenged me to become very clear about what I mean, like mm -hmm. what I mean to say. Um, it's one thing to like, you know, there's kind of this like, this ladder that you climb as you're trying to explain ideas or, or convince people of things. And, and like at the lowest level, it's like you're just like chatting with a friend and you can say anything. You can say the dumbest thing and they're still going to be your friend and it doesn't really, <laughs> doesn't really matter. You know, then there's, you know, maybe what you put on Twitter or LinkedIn and then there's, you know, what you say in an interview, you know, podcast mm -hmm. or whatever like this. And it sort of ratchets up. And by the time you put something in a book, you want it to like be really well thought out because that book is going to, it's going to live for a while. It's not going to be, hopefully it's not going to be forgotten. It's not going to scroll down to the bottom of the feed yeah. and go away. Hopefully um, people will be able to buy that book and read that book for years to come. And so that's really, it really challenged me to think through like my ideas in yeah. a much like much more um, detailed way. I really like, I, did, I don't have the actual physical copy. I listened to it on Audible. So did Izzy, one of my business partners. I really loved, like, one, it was super casual, but the structure you did with the chapters, I don't know if that's how it was with, like, the actual written copy, but yeah. essentially, like, here's these, here's the points we're going to hit, right? Five, yeah. six, seven, yeah. eight, yes. nine, and then you would go into depth. I love that. Cool. I don't know why, but like, <laughs> I was like, damn, I really, really like that. Yeah. Where did so, that come from? Well, at, so, okay, so Make Time is all about, like, time management and, and it's like about helping people um, make concrete changes to how they spend their time. And there's a lot of books about yeah. that already. And part of why Jake and I got into this all and part of why we wanted to write about it is that we weren't, we weren't totally satisfied by the existing books that, it, that were out there um, about these topics. And in part of the, the kind of the backstory for Make Time is that I, like growing up, working on projects that sort of require and reward deep focus mm. and creative thinking, that was where I got a lot of my, like, my validation and my reinforcement. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't, like, an athlete. I wasn't, like, a cool kid at school. So, like, the things that I was able to do that people were like, oh, yeah, that's awesome, they were, like, projects. You know, they were, like, things were, you know, like, I, I, you know, I played a bunch of instruments and, like, did yeah. some music recording and, like, I would, you know, I could design stuff and I could like, I could write, you know, even w when I was a kid, like I was always a decent writer. And so that was, that was the kind of work that was rewarding. And so I, I just sort of carried that mindset with me into adulthood where like, okay, the way that I bring value to the world is being, being productive, yeah. being focused, being intense about doing work, um, and by the time I was like in my mid-20s, I had been working at a tech startup in Chicago, which is an environment that, again, rewards that kind of intense, focused work, um, but also has a culture that, that can 
can eat you alive if you let it. It can mm -hmm. take up all of your time and all of your energy. And I basically got to a point in my mid-20s where I was like, my life was just super out of balance. Like all I wanted to do was work. If it wasn't my day job, I wanted to work on a side project. Even to the point where I remember this one, this one day or night that my wife and I had been out like with, with friends doing something and we got home and I was like, I said like, I should have stayed home and worked. You know, which is like immediately when I said it, I knew that something was out of balance. Yeah. And so that then kind of put me on this new path of trying to figure out, well, how can I be intentional about how I'm spending my time and how can I continue to do this, this work and pursue projects that I get a lot of satisfaction out, out of, but do it in a way that, um, that fits with life and makes me feel like a human and not like some productivity robot who's just trying to check all the boxes and answer yeah. all the emails. Um, I don't, I don't remember how I got onto that. No. I oh, I know what it was. Yeah, you were asking about the structure of the yeah. book. And so anyway, so going through that process as a productivity nerd, <laughs> Jake and I, we both read tons of books and um, we just felt like the structure of read it from beginning to end, do everything it mentions in the exact order and structure that it, that it tells you to do, that's a very, that's a, that's a big hurdle for people to get up and, and jump over. And we wanted to create a book that where the kind of core philosophical part of it yeah. was, was really short. And then it was basically like a cookbook of these different very concrete tactics you could apply. You know, cookbooks are, you know, you might pick up a cookbook that's all about um, vegetarian cooking. And so it has this core philosophy. It's about cooking without, without meat. But then you, there's no expectation that you're going to read it beginning to end. Yeah. You, there's no expectation you're going to try it and cook cook all the recipes someday, you know, maybe you'll get there, but that was really the model we followed with Make Time, was give people this, this cookbook, this menu of things that they can choose from, figure out what works for, for their life. And I love that, man. I, again, I love the structure. It told me exactly, at least the kind of person I am, it told me exactly what I was going to get, and then it gave it to me, and I love that. I appreciate that. Also appreciate that you you are the exact same person that you portray in that <laughs> audiobook, which I think is yeah. rad. Um, I know you're not going to mention it, but I do want to dive into like how freaking badass you are, dude. Like I know you've worked with like Google, YouTube, I think GV, like huge, huge names, and you've done incredible work. Can you like? I love the mission that you just explained, but yeah. what was going on in all of those positions, and what kind of led you to where you are now? Yeah, a few things were going on and they all, they all converged in a very fortuitous way. So uh, like I said, I kind of grew up as this, this kid who really got into doing hands-on creative work. Mm. You and were a runner or was it? I was, okay. yeah, never like a super serious. Um, <laughs> that was the extent of my athletic uh, pursuits. It's perfect because it requires no hand-eye coordination. You know, it's like tall, skinny kid, put, I one, know <laughs> put one foot in front of the other and see how fast you can go. <laughs> but uh I um, so I got into I got into the tech industry because that was um, that I mean first of all at the time that I was getting through college and stuff was was still like felt like a very formative time in tech and um, and also like I had I had you know th from reading Wired magazine and stuff like that I kind of had this sense that it was a bunch of people like me who just wanted to work on interesting problems. Mm. Um, so I got into tech. I was working as a designer at a tech startup in Chicago. We were acquired by Google, and um, and it was at a, a, a time when Google was really growing a ton, and there were just a lot of opportunities, a lot of 
new, interesting things going on. And there were not as many designers yeah. as there should have been. Um, so I was able to move from the Chicago office of Google, where I was working on designing advertising products, like ad management tools, yeah. to, to YouTube. Um, at that time, we moved out to the Bay Area, to San Francisco. Um, and then I transferred again to Google Ventures. And that was really interesting. Uh, GV is a, it's a venture capital firm that's funded by Google. And so they invest in companies outside of Google. So I was still at Google in a sense. My email address was still at google.com, but I didn't work with anything Google related for yeah. the last like six years that I was there. And the thing that was really cool about that, um, well, one of the things I should say is that I was, by that point, I was already really interested in this subject of time and how people spend their time. And so we got to go into all these different companies who were the most innovative, the most like cutting edge, you know, on the forefront of whatever industry they were in. And we get to go in and be like, how do you guys do things? And like, what challenges do you have? And the challenges were very consistent. Like everybody felt like they couldn't do the work that mattered at work. Even the smallest tech company, they would say, we have too much email, we have too many meetings, we're, you know, we have these big things we want to do, and we struggle to really grab hold and get to the, get to the heart of it. Um, at the same time, we had, at Google Ventures, we had started to use um, writing, and to a lesser extent, video, as a way of drawing attention to what we were doing. Um, you know, content marketing, uh, mm-hmm. although I don't like to call it that. Um, but, you know, we were, that was part of our strategy. And so we, you know, had seen all these different companies and how they worked and the challenges they had, and we had developed tools and processes to help them, including the design sprint process. And so we started to write about that and write about other ideas and things that could help people. And, and I was very fortunate that I had this platform of of Google Ventures to help spread the word about what we were doing. And so um, basically it got to a point where I was ready to, to leave my job at Google Ventures. I felt like I'd sort of just reached a, a plateau and my yeah. wife and I were ready for a break. We were ready to do something different in life. And, um, and that, there I was, I was sort of like, okay, cool. Like I've, I've got this audience, I've got this, this expertise in helping people make good use of their time. Um, and I'm still passionate about it. Like it's, it's, it's far from a, a solved problem. It's still like, it's getting, in fact, it's getting worse all the time. Mm-hmm. It's getting harder all the time. And so I just kind of, all those things converged and aligned uh, at the right time for me and decided to, to make that my, my mission. It's beautiful. I was talking to one of my business coaches in Chicago and he's like, um, dude, like I've been doing this a long time and like, he's super successful. Like he's sold businesses, like he's advising like magic leap and like huge, huge companies, yeah. like, amazing dude. And he's like, very rarely, like I've been doing this a long time and I see a lot of people burn out. I'm still here. Very rarely is it an issue for entrepreneurs that they're not working hard enough because all entrepreneurs work hard. Yeah. Usually it's an issue if they're not taking care of themselves, which yeah. is like a big theme in make time. Is, at least what yeah. I've noticed thus far, what are some things that you do? just to take care of yourself, make sure that you're not burning out. Yeah. Um, I sleep a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, I probably, I, I need like eight to nine hours of sleep. Mm. And I've also noticed for me, it's, it's seasonal. 
So in the summer, I can, do, I can be okay with a little bit less sleep. In the winter, I need more sleep, especially here in Milwaukee where the day you know, gets, yeah. gets longer and then it gets shorter. Um, I have experimented a lot with caffeine. Um, I do love coffee, and caffeine is, you know, it's, um, it's part of what makes me tick. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I know how much is too little and how much is too much. Um, and that's very different for every person, but it's something that I experimented with and figured out what, what worked for me. Um, I'm really into like, uh, movement and I'm not like a gym rat. Like, I, you know, I don't go to a gym and like, you know, yeah. use all the fancy contraptions, <laughs> but like, but I, you know, I, I walk as much as I can. Sometimes I ride a bike. Um, you know, I, I make sure that I'm doing like just kind of basic movements, like, you know, doing push-ups and pull-ups. Yeah. And if there's, you know, if we need to like carry something up to our apartment, we live on the fifth floor. I'm like, all right, I'll just take it up the stairs. You know, I just sort of like, I figure that even in our world today that has so many conveniences, there's still plenty of opportunities to just use our bodies for yeah. what they evolved to do. And so I just try to take those opportunities. And I find that that kind of like intermittent sort of, you know, medium intensity movement, like uh, just keeps me, keeps me energized, makes me feel good. It sounds like you have a really good self-awareness. Sense of self-awareness. I do now. Yeah. Like one of the themes of the book of Make Time is experimenting with yourself. Mm. And again, a lot of advice that's out there is very prescriptive. It says, do this. Or sometimes it says, if you're like this, do that, which is, which is better. But I think the best is to say, experiment with these things and maybe some other things um, and take it one day at a time and build in time for yourself to reflect on what works for you and mm -hmm. and tweak it and make it better because we're all trying to figure this out for ourselves we're all trying to figure this out as as a society yeah. um and i think it's i just think it's unrealistic to assume that there is a prescription that you can apply um i think it's better to to encourage people and give people like a a process or a way of experimenting with their own Is it just habits. how you are? Or how did you come to the point where it's like, hey, like, I'm not like everybody else. Everybody's different. I'm going to experiment and try different things. Was it just like, damn, like things aren't working? Or That lesson really came out of the design sprints. Mm. So, um, so what is that for those that don't know? Yeah. The design sprint is a five-day structured process, really a recipe for innovation and creative group work. It's a way for a team who's working together on something new mm. to very quickly um, prototype and test their idea. So actually put it in front of real customers um, before they commit their precious time, resources, money, whatever it might be, to doing the long road of, of executing and making that happen. Um, it's, it's five days. We developed it at Google Ventures because, again, we would go into all these different companies. I mean, we'd go into to Slack and 23andMe and Uber and and you know, literally hundreds of other companies. Yeah. And there's no way that we as investors or designers could have the answers for all those companies. And sometimes we could say, you know, based on what I've seen, I think if you do it this way, it's going to be better. But we, we needed a process to help those companies find their own answers. And so we came up with the design sprint process to do that. But there was this, so, so experimentation is built into the sprint process because at the end of the week you do this test and you yeah. you, you create a, a version of your idea that looks very real but isn't actually like done 
It's not, it's not functional, it's not complete, but it looks real. You put it in front of customers. But there was this other layer of experimentation, which is that we ran, in the six years I was at GV, we ran like 150 of these one-week design sprints. And each one of those was a chance for us to, to tweak the, the formula and to experiment. And that was, you know, seeing how effective that was in that environment just drove home the power of experimentation for me in my, my personal mm. life. Yeah, I love that. And that's, I, I agree, man. I subscribe to the same belief. I like to test everything. Um, mad, very much mad scientist vibe <laughs> in my head, you know? Right, um, yeah. You mentioned a lot of things, like, in the book that, to me, are just, like, crazy innovative. I've just never seen them before. Like, things like the not-to-do list, but the might-do list, you know? Yeah. Like, I've never even heard of anything yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> where do those thoughts come from? Or is that just experimentation? Is that just the fact that you've done it so many times? Like, wow, I probably might not do this. <laughs> it's, I think it's the same as when you get deep into anything. Mm. You, you know, first you, first you assume the problem is, is easy. And you have that, you have that sort of, you know, naivete that like, oh, like I'll be able to fix this. No problem. Yeah. You, you try stuff. Then you, I think you turn to the expertise of others and you, you say, oh, well, who are the experts in this? I'm going to do what they do. Um, and then the next layer is sort of like, okay, well, maybe it's not that simple. I need to, need to try things for myself. And then I think there's a, there's a, a final level when you're pursuing any new thing or you're trying to immerse yourself, learn about something yeah. new, um, where you, you start to come up with your own ideas that are, I mean, they're never completely original. I don't believe that there is such a thing as an original idea. Sure. Everything is a, is a remix. It's a combination of pre-existing ideas. And so um, when you think about something very deeply and you've spent years working on it and experimenting with it, I think it's almost natural that you're going to start to just generate your own ideas. And then you can take those and say, all right, well, that seems interesting. Um, let's try it. And so the stuff that's in the book is the stuff that, I mean, some of it is not, is not like totally different. Some of it is really advice you could find in other places. Yeah. Um, but every single thing in the book, Jake or I, and in many cases, both of us, but definitely one or the other, we have experimented with that in our own lives and we have found that it, that it works. And there's 87 like specific tactics. So it's not like we do all that stuff all the time, but, um, there was definitely like a period where, where we did each of those things and we felt like they really, um, helped us make good use of our time. Mm. I know I mentioned already, but a big theme of it was, Hey, take care of your, take care of yourself. Like that, that self care. Yeah. Um, which I think is huge and something that I personally struggle with. Cause like, hey, like, yo, I'm 25. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and I'm constantly reminded I don't want to be that person that burns out. Yeah. So and you're you running to, your own business, so you have like it, essentially unlimited upside. You know, for so it's hard for putting to, energy yeah, into it's, that. It's yeah. very hard not to yeah. take the time to slow down. I love that you mentioned, hey, go off the grid. Like, yeah. go take some time to travel, which is something I'm looking at now. I just want to get like five people together. Let's go random, like semi off the grid. I still need access to yeah, email, yeah, you know, but right. um, let's just like go recharge. Like, yeah. I, I love that. So on a personal level, if you could only choose one of those 87 tactics, what would that be? You could only do that one. Wow.
I think that it would have to be, um, so there's this idea in the book that we call a highlight. Mm. And the idea with the highlight is each day, think about the one thing that's most important to you that day. Um, certainly not the only thing you're going to do, the only thing you're going to get done, but it's the thing you want to prioritize, you want to protect. And the reason that I say that that would be the, the only thing is because I think so many other good behaviors and good decisions flow from it. Mm. Like if you know that, um, well, just to give you a really concrete example, yesterday my highlight was to write this uh, interview for a site called um, My Morning Routine, which is just a collection of morning routines from yeah. different writers and entrepreneurs and stuff. And, and because I knew that that was my highlight, I knew a bunch of other things became clear to me. It was like, okay, um, I need, I actually, I'm going to go to bed a little bit earlier than I before because I want to wake up because I know that I only have the morning to work on it because then I have some other stuff. I have some meetings and things that have to happen. Um, and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to like, you know, not drink too much. I'm, you know, the night before it's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to resist like checking Twitter right away when I wake up, you know, it's like all these little decisions that, um, taken on their own sort of require, uh, high degree of willpower like there are mm -hmm. things you know you should do or shouldn't do but you have to really you know you have to like you know uh sort of have the discipline to make those individual individual decisions but for me and this is something that we probably had the most um like positive feedback from readers on when when people know what that one thing is when they know what their highlight is it makes it so much easier to make the rest of those decisions that they want to be making. Yeah, I agree. I, I used to write like these super long to-do lists. Like, yeah. Do this. <laughs> and I'm like a achiever type of person, yeah. you know, like do, 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 do. Yeah. But nothing would get done. <laughs> Look back at my day like, wow, I didn't, I didn't do shit. So yeah. like I 1000% agree. There was another list in there that you mentioned and I'm blanking on it, but um. I want to say like top three and then like, no, maybe it was the highlight and then what are the three actions I need to take or something like that? Is mm. that ring a bell? No, no it doesn't. <laughs> maybe it was a, maybe it sounds interesting it. though. Or um, maybe, maybe it was a mashup. Maybe it was like, maybe you were combining make time with some other book or something. That's <laughs> but I, I do love the idea of the highlight. What's that one thing? And then just working from there. Cause I, I would agree. And it's, it's helped me a ton. And I, cool. I just started, I'm, about an hour into the ebook, I listen on triple speed, so I'm about <laughs> hour left of the ebook, so about yeah, like thirty minutes, I'll be done. But it's yeah. super good, and that that I would say is one of the biggest takeaways. Cool. That and awesome. the fact that I need to yeah. experiment and take care of myself. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think that. people often have a degree of um, uh, sort of skepticism about about this idea of of identifying your most important thing, your highlight yeah. for the day. Um, but the way that I approach it is like, like, would you agree that that it's impossible to do everything you want to do in a given day? Yeah, and everybody agrees to. Everybody knows that that's true. They know that um, you're not going to get through everything. You you can't do everything. So you've you've already accepted. You already know that you have to choose which things are important. So my argument is, why not try swinging that? pendulum all the way to the other side and focus on the one thing that's most important to you and just see what happens. Again, just experiment with it. See what other behaviors result from that and see how it changes the, the actual work that you do or the energy that you bring or the, 
you know, even if it's not about work, even if your highlight is uh, plans with with friends or um, you know a, a trip that you're going on or something like, see how it changes that experience mm -hmm. for you. Um, and and most of the people that I've talked to who have given it like an honest try say that it really yeah. it really is transformative. I love that. What would you say to those people that maybe have a lot of passions, have a lot of things that they do want to be focused on, but they're having trouble? Hey, what's that one thing that I should be focused on? What's that highlight? Yeah. Um, there are a couple of strategies that I use, and these are, these are described in the book, but um, one of them, just to like sort of explain them quickly, one of them is, is urgency. You know, when there are things that truly are time sensitive and need to get done, make that your highlight, you know, mm -hmm. like lean into that and just say, yeah, this needs to happen. I'm going to make it happen. Um, another one is, um, is satisfaction. You know, like what are the things that maybe, maybe nobody's quite asking you to do, or maybe they, you could easily put them on the back burner, but you know that if you do them, you're going to feel great about it. Yeah. And the third strategy is just joy. Like what's going to be fun? What am I going to be glad that I did? Um, and the nice thing about taking this, like sort of day by day approach is that you can mix these things up. You know, you can, you can do an urgent highlight one day, then a satisfying highlight the next day, maybe on the weekend you use a joyful highlight, you know, you just kind of, um, you can, you can use this tool in a very like sort of intuitive way yeah. as you get comfortable with it. And as you, you begin to understand like what you need. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I, what I suggest to people. The other thing is like, because the highlight's not the only thing you're going to do um, in a day, what's the rest of your day going to look like? And are there things that maybe don't require your highest focus but can still help you move something else forward? Maybe there are meetings that you can take or there are, there's reading you can do or research you can do about one of your passions or one of your, your you know, lines of work um, that you can schedule into a different part of the day that aren't going to actually compete with your highlight but are still going to allow you to have that feeling that you're, um, that you're doing all the things that you want to do. Yeah, that's really good advice. There's so many things that I want to dive into, but I don't want to take up too much of your time <laughs> and just read the book. Um, <laughs> but there was one thing specifically that I'm fascinated by, because I, you mentioned going from a night out to a morning person, mm -hmm. which is the same for me. And I know your um, co co-author. Yeah, um, is more of a night person because yeah. he has to be for his schedule. Yeah. What did that look like transitioning for you, and why did you decide to transition from night owl to morning person? Yeah, the um, really the the like original impetus for it was was wanting to align my schedule to my wife's um, and my my wife. Uh, and this this I started working on this like back in 2012, and at the time she was working at this. Um, biotech company mm. and she had a commute she had to drive like 40 minutes or something um and it was like a pretty it was like a pretty traditional company there would be early meetings um you were expected to be there like at a certain time she worked with people in europe so a lot of times the only way that they could get on a call would be like early for her and late for them um and so what was happening was i would stay up late and i'd be doing design work or, or coding or, or writing and she would have to go to bed so like we wouldn't overlap there. And then like in the morning, like she would get up super early and get going and leave. And I would just sort of be like just waking up when she's like walking out the door. Um, and then we were both at work all day. And so I just felt like, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I, my yeah. wife is my best friend and we love hanging out together. So it's like, well, this, this kind of sucks. Um, I also started to, 
to get the sense that um, maybe the morning would be kind of like some some free hours. You know, it'd be sort of this like um, this time that that wasn't already spoken for. It wasn't already committed, and so maybe I could start to use some of that time for for projects. You know, for work that I wanted to do. And so that was really my my motivation. But um, probably the hardest thing for me was like adjusting the the nighttime was like getting accustomed to um, to like w- properly winding down my day, which meant like not looking at screens super late at night, like letting my mind and my body like sort of just chill out at the end of the day. Because um, if you're if you're kind of spun up and you're you're like you're worked up about something when you're trying to go to bed, it just like makes it hard to sleep, and then yeah. it's harder to wake up the next morning, and then it's it's a cycle that that can sort of negatively feed on itself. So, so I, when I was trying to make this change, I did a bunch of reading because uh, that's what I do. I'm just like a, a studier. So I just like started reading about, you know, what other people had done and what worked for them and um, it started experimenting. But, but it found that like the night before was kind of the key, like the thing that, that unlocked everything else. Mm. I love that. And like, lastly, this is the Strange on Purpose podcast. We're all misfits here. Um, what about you goes against the grain? What makes you a misfit? Like, how are you strange on purpose? <laughs> Many ways, probably. <laughs> I'm um, a studier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I think that I, I think that I say no a lot more than most people. Um, I, I have learned so many times that when I try to do everything, I don't do a great job of anything. So, so I, you know, I'm, it, there are probably people who look at my life and it looks like I'm, I'm lazy or I don't work hard or whatever because I'm, I, I choose to focus on a, a very small number of things. We have made a lot of unconventional choices about, about money and about how we want to spend that money to, um, to free up our time and so in the years we were living in San Francisco, where we were both doing well in our jobs and getting promotions and all that, we stayed in the same one-bedroom apartment. We kept our one old used Volvo. We didn't like, you know, sign up for lots of memberships and subscriptions and stuff like that. Um, but then at the same time, we turned around and like we bought this sailboat, which to some, you know, to some people, if you ask a personal finance, you know, a fi- financial advisor, they're like, don't buy a boat. It's the worst thing you can ever do. But that was, that was the thing that we, that we cared about because we knew that the boat would enable us to have certain kinds of experiences. Um, and it, to us, it was worth it. Mm. Um, so I think that our, you know, we've never been motivated to keep up with the Joneses. Um, so we, I think we we're a bit strange in that way as well. It's incredible, man. You know what you want, you go for it. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate not you always that show, easy. Man. You're, <laughs> you're so selective with your time. You're on the show. It means the world, dude. It really does. Yeah. Well, it was a real pleasure, and I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, we're all weird here. Yeah. Lastly, like, where can people find you? Where can they get the book? Um, is there a blog? Like, yeah. Social, all that jazz. Yeah. Uh, so maketime.blog. That's the dot blog. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I really, I, I don't know why, perhaps it's just because I like, I kind of came up during the formative days of blogging, but I just love the dot blog, <laughs> um, top level domain. So uh, yeah, so make time dot blog, that's the hub for everything about make time. Mm. 
it's not just about the book. There's articles there. There's tools and resources. And any new like events or programs or products, the stuff will all live there. And um, and then uh, my my sort of distraction kryptonite is um, is Twitter. Do you're gonna say that? <laughs> I do. I do love Twitter. Um, but I, I but I have a bunch of uh, <laughs> systems and and hacks to like keep it under control. But I will also say people should feel free to reach out on Twitter. My, my username is Jazzer, J-A-Z-E-R, uh, with the caveat that I don't have Twitter on my phone, um, so I'm not going to see it right away. I'm not going to reply right away, but I will see it, and, uh, and that's a good way to reach me. Awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, dude, you're, you're legit. The book is good. It's really, really good.